Kentucky. <laughs> Trust me when I say that that was the magnificent. That's how you know it's live. <laughs> and I, when I say that, I mean every possible definition of the term. <laughs> live, for real, for real. So thank you, Lisa. Just... You know, I don't know if I lived in Hawaii, if I'd be getting up on Pacific time to, <laughs> to do this, but I know I would, just like you did, Lisa. Thank you so very much for sharing your brilliance, your creativity, your love. That song, A Prayer for Us, is a sung prayer. It's a prayer it's a vocal prayer, and part of the lyric is falling down, letting go, rising up. Yeah, is that not the dance? And my sense is, again, thank you, Lisa, for reminding us or for, for giving us this, this guidance so that we might do that intentionally. So that the falling down wouldn't lead to us falling out. And instead would encourage us to let go. How beautiful. On this adventure in faith, we are fully prayed up. Yes? Yes. How good and very good that is. So I'm... I'm still working with, um, you know, we started the Sunday after Easter looking at the 10th chapter of Luke. And I wanted to go there because in that period of time, we, we know that the master teacher, Yeshua, that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, we, we know that from the point of the resurrection, we call Easter, that there were 10 recorded sightings where Yeshua appeared in the resurrected body to somebody, and it's recorded. It's implied that there's more than that, but we know that that happened. And so during that time, there's teaching going on. There's, there's acts. There's, there are signs. There are signs that are revealed, and the disciples are moving into this apostle phase, which means to go out and teach it, tell it, be it, moving from the student phase, the apprentice phase, the intern phase. Does that make sense? All right. So um, here's what I, here's where, I think I want to start here with acknowledging that there are so much of, of, I think we often forget that Christianity, well, first of all, we've forgotten that Christianity is a heart-felt way of being, that it has become a big stick. And a way to accuse and threaten 
And it's been that for a long time. I'm not pretending that this just happened. Because for many folks of African ancestry, Christianity was presented as a way to reinforce slavery, as a mindset. So it shows us, we more than anyone, my ancestors certainly knew, see, part of the thing about being awake is to not just look at the thing the way it's presented to you. It would be to look at the thing and say, now what else is this? Because I ain't studying that part. Is there something here for me? Is there something here that is beneficial? Is there something here that is liberating? Is there something here that is beneficial? I suggest we hearken to that. But I didn't really, I guess I did come to talk about that. Because I just, yeah, yeah, just I'm catching up with me. What I thought I wanted to to kind of, I'm laying some track here, is that there are Jewish holidays, just like for all indigenous people, they had ceremonies and rituals. And then you see that those are incorporated in the common calendar. And often we get so attached to the common calendar, we have forgotten or never knew that there was a ritual and that people were involved in some other expression that mattered to them and their people and their culture, and we just out shopping. Because, you know, most holidays, only, um, don't act like, oh, you just going to leave me hanging with this. You know, most holidays are shopping opportunities. So we've, I'm, I'm, I'm citing that because it is, is indicative of how far removed from the original intention we have fallen. Does that make sense? And so in the words of, of uh, Lisa Forkish, we're going to let go and rise up. Yes? Okay, look. So in the Jewish slash Christian, because, you know, Christianity was not a thing until way later. So Yeshua and the boys knew nothing about no Christianity. They were not Christian. They were Jewish, and they were a Hebrew sect, if you will. They were, the, they were followers of the Nazarene. That's what they, they were considered. They, you know, you always call people by what they're up to. So they were followers of the Nazarene. They were not Christians. Nor was Yeshua. I just need to be clear about this. Okay. Because it gets conflated. So this really begins, if you will, or I'm going to, our focus begins with Passover. So in 2022, Passover began April 15th at sundown. And that sundown is important, at least it was for me, because when you start counting the 40 days and the 50 days, most of the counts start the next day. So you'll get it, you'll be twisted up and your count will be off if you don't understand that they're not counting the sundown part when it begins, but beginning the next day. And so many of these counts show up here in an interesting way. So we start with Passover and then the resurrection, 
which we call Easter, is on uh, April 17th. And then 40 days after that is the ascension. So we know that in Luke 10, which is when we started this, the Sunday after Easter, we know that the master teacher has appeared to the disciples and he's given them what they need to do what has to be done. And so he's saying that I'm not going to be with you long, but I'm going to send a comforter. But in the meantime, there's some things that have to happen. And then we know there are about 10 other sightings, the last of which is, is the actual ascension, okay? And then after the ascension, about 10 days later, we have the Jewish Feast of Weeks. And that is an agricultural, so they're, they're, they're celebrating the harvest, and what that means, and this is important because we forget that all you have here are, are a number of Jewish tribes or sects. So there, there are a lot of different folks. It's like if you, well, let me not get ahead of myself. But, but, they're people in the region. And so for this festival, they have all come to Jerusalem. Woodstock. I'm just trying to come up with something where folks came from everywhere. You, but in this case, it's a requirement for all adult men. They have to be there. So, you know, families are there. It's, it's all of the folks have come. And, okay, so let me just stop there. So, y'all get it, that, that little sequence of of what we're, what we're working with. I think it's important. We'll, we'll see as it all works out. What I'm tagging back to is in order for, I want to look at this metaphysically, which, which simply means beyond the physical, be, beyond what, what is laid out at the material level. So we're looking at, at more deeply at the spiritual level. What is, what's happening here? What's happening here? And first of all, I just want to go on record that, that the Bible, as much as we embrace it, as much as it is enlightening and beneficial, we know there are questions about the very writing of it and the translations of it. Because none of us are reading old Hebrew. Well, let me not speak for you. I don't. Because y'all got some stuff going on. Some of y'all may be for real. I mean, old Hebrew. And ancient Hebrew is what I'm saying for the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, Greek or Aramaic, which would be a dialect of Hebrew. Um, so those of us who do not, are not fluent readers of those languages, we're getting it where somebody translated What I got was now, I speak a little bit of Spanish, which means when I'm traveling with folks to Spanish-speaking countries, I didn't name you, <laughs> who speak even less than I speak, I become the translator. Now, y'all should just break out in prayer immediately. <laughs> you just ought to start praying for whenever that was and however that happened. Because can you see what happens? When, when you, the translator is, you don't know what you're getting. I'm just saying. 
So just keep that in mind when you're reading a translation. There is an intention to deliver something, but it may or may not agree with what the original thing said because the translator may not have understood it clearly. Case in point. So, look, I, in, in coming to this, as I thought about, so the master teacher is getting them ready, and as a, 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 a trainer, that's really, I think, my, that's my passion. That's, that's my life, which is why my Sunday talks don't necessarily look like Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we just, we're in it now. So the trainer in me is thinking, so if you get in folks, and training is different than teaching to me. Because teaching, and, and I don't, this is not, uh, hmm, hmm, ooh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Because teachers, I love you. I love you. And, and I haven't figured out how to say it. Here's a distinction for me. As a trainer, as a corporate trainer, as a spiritual coach and trainer, what I'm looking for, see, training requires a specific outcome. It, you haven't trained them. So they come, I'm charged with delivering certain specific outcomes. When you finish this, you're supposed to be able to something. And if you don't, somebody looking at me. So I'm thinking, this is what the master teaches. Like, I got to get these. They're ready. And what I have learned is that there is that that you do at the mental level. But if you can get in below that, if you can have some, some often, uh, so accelerated learning techniques often support moving beyond adult thinking, which can block a lot of stuff. Y'all know, you adults. So y'all know how you do. You want to know, well, yeah, I came here with you saying because I need to know why. You understand what I'm saying? So we come in with baggage and stuff in the way. So I'm thinking about all of this. So how are you getting folks ready to dang near change the world and you're not even, you're not in the physical presence, which means that they probably challenged because they was already challenged when you were here. So what they doing now when you can't just give them the eye? I don't know that there was any eye given, but I made up that there was a little eye given along the way. I'm just saying. So look, what I know is that my sense is, I'm making this up, but this is how I've made it up, that, that a huge part of this is is looking at the, what senses are available. How do I engage as many senses as possible? So how do I engage their, their vision, not just their ocular system, because they can't see me no more. So I'm really challenged to get them to see at another level. I need you to see it with your eyelids closed. Come on now, we're going to have to work some stuff. I need you to hear with your hands over your ear. Can, am I making sense? I need you to listen so attunely that you can hear a message in the wind. So there's, there's another level. And I thought when I began that I would have worked my way through all the seven senses, but the sight and the hearing are so, there's so much to that. I have made it past the first two. 
So, and I still have, and I'm not going to do no better today. We're just going to work with with what we have. So look, I want to remind you that in um, A Course in Miracles, and this is my little adaptation of it, it says, I am determined to see, and I know that it's talking about vision, which is beyond seeing. It's, it's, It's the knowing aspect of that. It's the receptivity aspect of it. Because you can see something and it don't matter. You haven't done anything with it. Your ocular system, we can prove, we can hook, I mean, we can put you in front of something and the optician or the ophthalmologist can register that you saw it, but it don't matter because you it ain't, you haven't taken it in. You're not doing nothing with it. You haven't, you haven't figured out what it means. You haven't. But with vision, it includes for me the holistic aspect of it. Does this make sense? I don't know that I have the language for it yet. I'm simply like stripping naked and just opening up all of it to, to get through this because I, I got a ways to go here. Also, I am, and Course in Miracles does not say this literally, but I am determined to hear. And not just like what just, we just heard a sound there. None of us knows whether that was an ambulance or a police car or something else. You know what I'm saying? We, we just, we heard it. But if we were to listen, someone in that field, if there were, was a fireman here, that person might, ha- might say, no, it wasn't. That was a, because what? They have a listening there's, which implies or includes a level of understanding that goes with that instinct. Yes? That sense. Okay, here we go. So this notion of being determined implies, for me at least, that I am determined to change my present state so that something more This is what the apostles, this to me is where they were. Determined to to have it be different. Determined to shift whatever. To let go, in Lisa's words, and rise up. To what the calling is on their lives and on this relationship. So, skipping that. So, the ascension, so... The resurrection, he's interacting with them 40 days later, and they're, they're involved in stuff. They're, they're, they're seeing signs, they're interacting, and they're also hiding out because they're, being, they're hunted. You, when the leader gets assassinated, the other folks don't just skip to Maloo. You, I, I, but I need to just remind you, the leader is assassinated, And he got, well, 11 folks who are the main group, and they don't get off scot-free. So they know they're being hunted, and they're they're hiding out, and they're moving and living, and, and I don't even know. You know, there's, I have some ancestors who would know what that would be like to know that you you know our our um one of our heart and soul members Jacqueline Olive who is a filmmaker
And um, and now I'm in this moment, the title of of her first film, just always in season. Thank you. She named it always in season. She said because every hunting operation requires a license. If you go fish, you have to have a license. If you go hunt deer, it has to be in that season, and you need a license, and all of that is regulated. But hunting black folks never required that. And so her film is about that culture of lynching and the impact and the healing of that, always in season. So they were in season. So before the ascension, though, in Luke 24, at the very end of, um, so it's verses 50 through 53, it says that he, meaning the master teacher Yeshua that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, that he brought them into Bethany and he lifted his hands and he blessed them. So this is his last appearance before them, before the ascension. And it was that he blessed them, that as he blessed them, he was separated from them and he ascended to heaven. But they worshiped, worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem. He told them to go to Jerusalem and they went there in great joy, on a mission, doing exactly as they were asked to do. And they were in the temple at all times, praising and blessing God. And they were in the temple at all times, praising and blessing God. Now, if you don't have a spiritual practice, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you have a spiritual practice, you already know that they were probably levitating at a point. You know that there's no way for them to be in the temple at all times, and the temple, regardless of the physical space and what it's called, the temple is a state of consciousness. And so it's already that rise up that Lisa sang about, it's that place. So they were in a high, in the highest possible consciousness at all times. You better ask somebody. They were in the highest possible consciousness at all times, praising and blessing God. It's a wonder they could be seen. And in fact, they may have been invisible. Given, I don't know if y'all really understand what I'm saying. Y'all at home, I know you do. I know I can feel that you are right there with me, right there with me. So look, so now we have a point of a vibration that they are. <laughs> so the reason why it was so important for me to tell you about the festival of weeks is because that's what's also set off at this time in Jerusalem. So you got the apostles who have heated up the place. You know what I mean? There's a bright light and energetic presence because there's no way to have, to have a bunch of folks doing that praying and praising at all times in the temple. Oh, that place is on fire. Yes? So now what is happening is the festival 
is going to start. I have often thought in my life, when I've had epiphanous experiences, when I've had those, those, those transformative experiences that just, here's the way I often talk to me about them. I wonder what all was required in order for me to be where I call it fifth and vine, right at, right at that nexus, because I'm not taking it for granted. You see, some of you, when we think back about some of you who individually, we know our lives have intersected in a magnificent way. And we may not be able to cite exactly where, but somehow I'm grateful that somehow we had that meeting. Because that meeting led to the, and that led to the, and that led to the, and now here we are right now. So in my mind, I, I know I can't always track every single thing, but I know there's a moment where I had to be there in order for our eyes to meet, or in order for us to bump, or in order for me to not be killed, or in order for me, do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to miss that bus. Sometimes somebody has to bump you, and while you turn to cuss them out, you don't walk into the traffic. See, it's not just what we like. It's all of the interactions that are required in order for us to be. So now, see, the disciples who are praying day and night, night and day, they know something about that. They know that, that you, cannot take the resur- you cannot take the crucifixion out of this and still end up with the story. You can't have... You see, whatever happened after little brother passed in what we call untimely, and I know we feel all of that and we're in the grief, there's a point at which we realize what that has meant for us. We realize the work that little brother did in order for our salvation. We realize that we never would have gotten straight about that. But for, am I making sense? Okay, all right, all right. So the day of Pentecost is also happening at the festival. Now look at here, for the backstory. The master teacher, Yeshua, that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, told him, be there, <laughs> go to Jerusalem. In Bethany, go to Jerusalem. And just be there. Now, he'd already told them that they would be, that the comforter would come, that the experience, they they would experience the Holy Spirit during a festival, during a a time of gathering. Nobody knows exactly what he said. But the idea was, you're going to have to go someplace. You're going to have to do something in order for the whole thing to unfold. Can I just say that to y'all? You're going to have to go someplace. You're going to have to do something, and you may not like. It may not be your first flavor. It may not be your favorite thing. But the letting go and the rising up is key to this, yes? Yes, yes, yes. So 
the great feast of the harvest, the day of first fruits is happening. And that is celebrated on the 49th day after Passover. So remember, it's the 50 days, but only 50 if you count the, day, the first day, and it doesn't start till after Passover. Now, the reason I'm making that point is because if you don't count that day, it's 49. And that's seven times seven. And it's the festival of weeks. So now nobody told me that, and y'all may need to pray for me and, you know, all the things, burn a candle with an incense, the whole works, to just save me from myself. But I think I see something. There's a divine order in the way that all of this is unfolding. And very often, the, it's the paradoxical nature of things that clue us into the truth that's present in it. So we know that this story is told in the second chapter of Acts. And it might help. I, I want to remind you of the holy instant that A Course in Miracles speaks to, because it's, it's that moment, that, that holy instant where something else happens, where we, where we move from the fear of the fear and uh, anxiety and tripping in the question to trusting the answer. It's an energetic opportunity. It's an opportunity to let go of all of the reasons and thinking and the doubt and the fear and to simply trust. I think that this is, this is important because in the holy instant, you bring your question to the answer. And there you receive the answer that is made for you. I think that that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what we're going to find in, in Acts because... The metaphysical meaning of, a, of the day of Pentecost is that in the unfoldment of the spiritual mind, there are periods when the ideas that have been meditated on, didn't I tell you they were praying and rejoicing and in gratitude day and night, night and day? So we know that there are in those periods when we have the ideas we have meditated on and accepted as true, there's a point at which they spring into consciousness and become living. But only when we, only when we surrender, only when we let go, only when we submit to them, yes? Only, somebody could say, only when we believe. Because why? It is done unto us we believe. Yes. Oh. So when we fill our minds with, with ideas, true ideas about the divine, the living one, the strong one, and humanity, that's when we gather our thoughts into one place in alignment. That's what's happening. In Acts, when it talks about all the people coming together, metaphysically, it's the mindset, it's the consciousness is of one. So you have all the people coming together. The people are representing the consciousness. You have it all together. They're of one accord. Why? They've come for the festival of weeks. They've come to celebrate the harvest. That's always a point of thanksgiving. For the one who is awakened to spiritual reality, the day of Pentecost, 
signifies the degree of mind action that brings to consciousness the presence of spirit as substance. Now that could be gobbledygook, but essentially it means that point at which you know that you know that you know. And can't nobody tell you different. Because for you, it's present. It's no longer an idea. It started as an idea. But now you done prayed about it day and night and night and day and you done rejoiced about it. You dancing in. You. Can't nobody tell you nothing about that. Because now it's you. You, y'all don't. Yeah, you don't sound like it though. Okay. Because there's a point at which, you know, when you start it, it's an idea. Remember, you're like, okay. And remember where they were coming from. They're, they're being stalked. They're being hunted. Like the Nazis hunt, happens later, but this is the first part of that. And so they come in scared but willing, available. And, but now they are transcendent. Now they are so the vibration. Because there's no difference between them and the prayer. There's no difference between them and the gratitude. They are the gratitude. They are the thanksgiving. They are the knowing, yes? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, so literally in Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, just the first four verses is all I'm, all I'm going to play with. So when the days of Pentecost were fulfilled, when they're there and everybody's there, they're all assembled together. That's the of one mind. Everybody's there. All the ideas of... <clears throat> Oh, I don't even think I can move. Shoot. Okay. So all this is going on. And then it says, suddenly there was from heaven a sound like the mighty wind. And the whole place in which they were sitting was filled with it. Well, now we know why. Now you could read this and it can sound superstitious and what was happening. But you can imagine if right now, as we're sitting here, and let's say we start praying and chanting about what, what some of you are feeling, if, if we start evoking that right now, and all of a sudden the door was blown open, that would be a story we'd be telling, our grandchildren would tell that story. Our, your great-grands would be telling the story about the Sunday at Heart and Soul that Acts 2 was realized right in the sanctuary. Now, on the internet later, there would be an explanation. But it wouldn't matter to the grands. <laughs> Why? Because it wouldn't matter to us in the way we told a story. The story would be that it all was evidenced. What we knew on the inside showed up on the outside. And then it says, and tongues like fire that were divided appeared to them, and they sat on each one of them. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, 
But I know they were filled with the Spirit, and they were seeing stuff and experiencing stuff. And I ain't mad at them because that's how that works. And all of them were filled with the spirit of holiness. And they were going out speaking in various languages according to whatever the spirit was giving them to speak. Now, let's be clear here. What we have here is like all the Jewish tribes, all the sects, because they're there for the festival for the entire culture. So this would not be unlike having a little English event. So there are going to be some Ebonics present. There's going to be some Canadians speaking English. There's going to be some British English happening. There's going to be some Australian English. And then there's going to be some Nigerian and Ghanaian English. There's going to be some Caribbean English. Now, there's a point at which somebody's going to say something early on. Let's say it's not at this point in the story. And we... You, you, And be, well, I'm speaking English. They say in whatever accent and dialect it is, right? Oh, but after the get down goes down, everybody understands. Because why? It no longer matters. Those little distinctions that we were like, we don't say it. What you talking about? All that's gone. Because what we're listening now so we're not hearing the discord of the part, the, the accent and all the stuff. We're listening from a place of where we prayed from. So look, I read somewhere, where, and I like this, that faith is an attitude toward accepting what you intuitively feel and yet do not intellectually understand. It's a, it's a nice little litmus, isn't it? Because when you get stuck with, I don't even understand that, you know you're not in faith. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Because what we know for sure is what? What grandmama and them said. We must walk by faith in order to have the demonstration. And so what you have is the disciples, the apostles, walking by faith and thus having the demonstration. And so this notion of the mind map of, of all of the senses, and we're going to get there. You're going to have to give me time. It's probably going to be in the summer. We, we're going to see. I'm, a, I'm, I'm committed to doing it, and I feel like there's some writing to do about it. There's some, but anyhow, we just it's coming. I'm not going to leave you hanging with that. But how are, I am determined to see. I am determined to listen. I am determined to know the presence of the divine. So I invite you in a consciousness, in a conscious awareness that we are bringing the light always. Whatever degree any one of us is willing to be the divine light that each of us is, 
It's not that anyone has to go get the light and bring it. Each of us is the light. And the question is the degree to which we will shine it, the degree to which we will share it, the degree to which we will be it, the degree to which we will honor that this is the truth of our being. And so it is in this awareness that I simply recognize that there is one, one life, one light, one radiant light that I know is the living one, the strong one, the all in all, by any name, it is the source of all, the beginning, the alpha, the omega, it is all there is. And what I know for sure is that I am one in the one as the one, that there is no way that I can be, that any of us can be, except as the one. I'm just letting that sink in. That I am as it is. It is in and as me. I express the light of the light. The light expresses in and through me. And what is true about me is simply true. That's why it's true about me, because it is true. And I am living out this truth. I'm not alone in this. We all are living out this truth, where the light that each of us is, is an aspect, is a reflection, is an expression, is the light. And so knowing this, I know that there's nothing to ask for. There's nothing to declare other than it's all unfolding in absolute perfect order, as awkward, as difficult as that can be to accept. There is one life. And that life, the life of the divine, the living one, the strong one, is living each and every one of us, even as we are living the life of the divine source. The breath that I breathe, the breath that I just took, conscious and intentional, that breath is the breath of the divine. It's breathing me, even as I am breathing the breath. It's the same. There's only one breath. Somebody wrote about it in Genesis. It's the same breath. We're all breathing it. It is breathing all of us, all sentient life. Knowing this, I know that it's done and done well in the divine. That the perfect order in the universe is happening everywhere, always present. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in this awareness. I'm rejoicing in the veil being lifted and the clouds clearing. I'm rejoicing in the clarity. I am determined to see. I am determined to hear. Oh, I just give thanks. 
I give thanks for the divine unfoldment of this word, of this awareness, of this consciousness. I know that something quite magnificent is happening. It always is. What's different is that I'm tapping into it, that I'm anticipating it, that I'm expecting it, that I'm declaring it, that I'm calling it forth in my awareness. On behalf of anyone who is willing, I stand in the gap right now for anyone who doesn't see it, doesn't hear it for themselves, doesn't sense it for themselves, that I am sensing, I am knowing, I am believing. And I'm not alone in this. The divine and a believer, one believer is a majority. And so I know it's done and done well. And so I simply let it be. Releasing this word into the absolute perfect activity of law. The law that I know is love unfolding in all of its magnificence beyond my human comprehension. I let it be forever and always. And I seal this for all eternity by simply saying, Amen, Ashe, and so it is. Love matters.